am who I am now and I'm not apologetic for it. Woman telling her story. Come on from the heart of the mystery to spell it. Years of violence. We are breaking the side. Hello, I am Ruby. I am your host for the Blue Butterfly Institute, a podcast affiliated with the Blue Butterfly Institute, a not-for-profit organization that focuses on spreading awareness and providing counseling and programs for victims and survivors of sexual trauma. Now that we've recently had the referendum, I thought that it would be quite important if I actually spoke to a person that uh, that is uh, Indigenous and also has a background and is on her healing journey. So I am here today with the beautiful Charlie. She is from the Gundagara mob and we are actually here on Gundagara land, which I think is so beautiful. So can you please introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Charlie. I'm a proud Gundagara person and we are definitely on beautiful country right now. So what is it about Gundagara land do you think that's so beautiful? The massive amount of bush. I think with all the developing going on, they're still trying to count some of, like, keep some of the bush around. I mean, just down the road, there's some lovely, beautiful bush tracks and it's still very naturous. Mm -hmm. It's quite good. And so what does non-binary mean for you? To me, it's... Basically, like, sex and gender are different concepts. Sex is a scientific way of how we describe chromosomes and biological needs for people. And gender is more of a rainbow term, in my opinion, where it doesn't have to be just one binary. I, yes, biologically, my sex is a female, but I am more masculine. I don't always associate with womanly things and cultures and stuff so yeah i think that's a really cool definition i that actually i learned new things from that definition that was really cool charlie thanks so what really got my ear was when you mentioned that there is an issue of being indigenous but also being a part of the lgbt community and that there are some not so accepting parts in the Indigenous community. Are you able to elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. So it's a bit unspoken. It's like, it's very hush-hush. So in Sydney, it's a bit more open to be proud and be who you are. But in a bit more like rural towns like this on Gundagara country, there's not many Aboriginal peoples. So they kind of want to just build more mob. So you would have to procreate with other aboriginals so it's sort of shamed upon if you don't want to carry down your culture to another child wow that is actually hadn't heard of that before before this episode that's so i mean it's it's like i I know it's awful but it's so eye-opening because i didn't realize that those problems those mob politics exist it's very like niche to think Mm. about too it's we don't talk about it a lot and you kind of have to be a part of the mob to really understand it yeah Um, thankfully my parents really introduced me to my mob very early on. I was Aboriginal dancing when I was like three to seven. And during that, it's like, it was very talked about that we need to be with a black person to share our knowledge of culture and have kids to do that with. 
And how have you been able to cope with that pressure or what advice would you give to other people who have that issue as well? I would definitely not. I would, sorry. That's okay. I would try to just understand both sides. Like, I do understand the need to want to share culture. But also, there was so much pressure on me. My first couple of boyfriends were Aboriginal. And I I went with the status quo and I was doing what my elders told me to. And I then realised I can't. I can't do that. I can't just be with a man. Um, and a lot of the relationships were quite toxic. So it's more just knowing what I actually needed and not listening to everyone else's opinions and going with what I needed to do for yeah. myself. Yeah. And so uh, we spoke about this previously, that you are a survivor of sexual assault. And so obviously with being Aboriginal, that's a whole other layer as well. So what do you think are some specific Indigenous issues you faced with your sexual trauma journey? Very loaded question there. Um, Not to be racist, but there is a very high demographic of alcoholism and substance abuse within First Nations peoples. And in relationships and just other people, they have hurt me because of that. And not only was it their fault, but also I did let myself be in that situation by the pressure of my elders. So you were coerced. I, I would say that, yeah. And also, that is um, actually, uh, I believe it's called kinship coercion as well, which is also very prevalent in uh, Indigenous communities as as well, this, this idea of not being able to voice your opinions because your elders might have um, a different opinion or might look down on you. Yeah, definitely. Because community and hierarchy in the Indigenous community in most... I, I, most are all mobs, do you reckon? I, I reckon I'm pretty sure all, but at least yeah. definitely most. Yeah. Um, there's a strong hierarchy in that the elder person usually is the most dominant, has the most power, and is the most respected and looked up to. Yeah, like the, the higher... Yeah. It's like a king in yeah. white terms, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like... They get all the power. Yeah, like the matriarch or the patriarch of the, of the mob, of the... Yeah, the mob and its people. Yeah. So, yeah. So, because of that, how do you think that that prevents a person from reaching out regarding sexual trauma with that strong mob mentality that is so prevalent? When I was young, um, I had a lot of shame Mm. about my trauma because... When I tried to talk to my elder, they said to deal with it and that it's normal. Uh, I realise it's not normal pretty early on, but a lot of the stigma of it was it's acceptable in the mob for that to happen and we still have to go through with it to better the community with producing children. I didn't want to just be a baby machine. So I... For a long time, I actually just rejected a lot of the Aboriginal heritage of myself because I didn't want to have to listen to the elders. And I took a lot of time to take that part of me away and learn what I needed as a person 
and there's a lot of shame with it and I had to work on that and once I learned that it wasn't my fault and what was okay and what wasn't it's more just learning that and knowing your elders aren't always just gonna have to have an opinion it's what you want yeah I think that's a really good response. I, th- I think that's very that's very powerful because we're, we're talking about something here that is not talked about a lot and we're actually kind of revealing some big secrets here, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's some shady past. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so this is actually a, a bit of an issue regarding mob politics here in Australia. When I refer to mob to our international people or people who don't know, mobs are um, ethnic areas. I guess other people could say tribes or clans, but yeah. it's basically just like the ethnic area of where that Indigenous person is from. So that's what I mean by mobs. Um so, and also you're right, that could, there we go. Okay. So mob, mob is a colloquial term identifying a group of Aboriginal people associated with a particular place or country. So moving back, how do we, how did you kind of help? What strategies did you use to overcome that fear and shame of speaking out? of sharing your your voice. So you've mentioned in the past that there that there it was really a forked road between being LGBT a part of the community but also being indigenous. So how what made you decide to make that choice of being a part of the LGBT community knowing that it could in fact, cause a rift between you and your mob? It was a very hard choice. Uh, I'm not going to lie. A lot of the elders, they found out pretty quickly that I was in a relationship with a woman at the time. I was just 18. And they stonewalled me. They stopped talking to me. I wasn't invited to any of the cultural events. I was pretty much shunned, I would say. To the point where I couldn't talk to anyone, I couldn't look at anyone, they would not even acknowledge me. So I had to take my time away. I walked away, I had to realise what was important to me. A culture and a mob that doesn't accept me for who I am and won't even talk to me, or my own mental health. And I wanted to be proud of who I was, an Indigenous person who's also a part of the Pride community. And so that's when I took the time to actually accept who I was. And do you regret that choice? No, I would do it a hundred times again. And would you encourage others who are in the same situation as you to make that choice? I definitely would. But I would also try to make them more aware of what they would be giving up. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it was I had to give up a lot of my culture. and I wouldn't say beliefs, but my history in a way with my Gundangara country. So I had to leave a lot of it when I was outed. And it was very shocking to know how much of a part of my life it was. It was tough, but I would definitely do it again because I am who I am now and I'm not apologetic for it. Oh, I think that's so beautiful. Wow, that was that was so... I could just end the podcast right there, but we have to keep going. Um, <laughs> I've got so many more questions. So how did you... 
eventually find your way back into discovering your into connecting with your roots again i eventually i broke up with my girlfriend that's a whole nother story but i just kept trying to get back into the community by doing little things there was a tafe course which is sort of like a school where they were doing a community mural at mosval tafe and i wanted to participate so we all painted a mural and some of the students, they had to talk to me and I slowly weaseled my way back into there. And a lot of the elders had passed since then, sadly. And slowly I got back into the community and they more so accepted who I was because I wasn't going to change and conform. Okay. Yep. I completely understand that. That's a really, that's actually, there's something so powerful about that too of, knowing that there is an option that if you choose your own identity first, there are options of being able to connect back to your roots in some way or the other. Truly it is because I thought once I left, I wouldn't have a place back here. Um, With my mob, it's like I could travel, but this is my home Mm -hmm. and it's not just like a house. It's a culture, a history. There's, so many stories and things that are so in depth in me and I would have lost all of that and I was very upset about it honestly it was distressing and depressing honestly but I'm so glad that I actually kept on trying but that is one thing that you might not be accepted back in but a lot of the time you can be it just takes time yeah and I feel also when it comes to your mob, and let me know if you agree with this or not, I feel like you can still be connected to your mob and the roots of your mob without necessarily being included in the mob community itself. Do you think that's true? And if so, how would you do it? To an extent, I believe that's true. So... Connected to the mob or connected to the country? Connected to the country. So for the country, I've always been connected. The Gundangara land, I've lived here my whole life. Lived and breathed this air, the soil, everything is me. I could never be disconnected from this country. I know every bush bush track, the berries, I know all of that. It could never be taken away. And that's why I kept that. It would never be taken. But then with the mob... So I definitely think I can be connected to the country. With the mob, it is a bit different. I can keep a lot of their traditions and acknowledging that that is a part of my history and myself. But some of them are not what I want to keep. Some of the... Like, you can only have a child to keep the line going. That's not me at all. And I don't want to keep some of the traditions. But I definitely think when they didn't let me in, I kept a lot of the connection of just knowing that I am a Gundangara person. Whether they want it or not, that is who I am. And I, that is me. And so what's really curious now is that is that you're mentioning that there's almost a generational shift with Indigenous uh, culture here in Australia, that there are these new issues coming up with the younger generation whose values don't necessarily align with their elders and 
the people beforehand. Do you think that this is going to become like more of an issue and more people are going to experience this? It already is a hundred percent. It's definitely an issue and it will become bigger, probably explosive amounts because of just older elders being okay with abuse and things and the newer generation being so outspoken and more opinionated and free to speak I definitely think there's going to be a lot of people standing up for themselves and not taking any shit part of my language but okay I know that if it was a child of mine and they got what I was treated with they would speak up and they would not be okay with it I definitely know that some people in other mobs and will not be taken that Mm -hmm. and there is going to be a definite generational shift with what elders think and what the new generation thinks. Yeah, and I think uh, I'd love to be able to talk about that in the future. I think that could be like a podcast episode itself because you're right, it's already happening. I think we're just seeing the fringe of it. But I think like because both of us are in our 20s, I think by the time we're in our 30s, we're going to see that grow and expand a lot more, particularly with what you've mentioned, you know, that there will be a lot more people who identify as Indigenous who are going to be part of the LGBTQIA plus community. And so how do you feel that being a part of the community has helped with your sexual trauma? The Aboriginal or the LGBT? The LGBT. They have helped amazingly. The statistics on LGBTQIA plus abuse is tragic, but it also does mean a lot of people in that community understand, accept and acknowledge what I've been through. And I know that there's always going to be a place for me in that community. I went to Mardi Gras once and I felt so wholly accepted for myself. And that in itself is just so healing. I had so much shame for so many years and they have helped just wash that away honestly (laughs) it's an amazing community to be a part of and I would not be ashamed of that ever again I think that's beautiful and so what was your journey into the community how did you find out your identity and who you are as a person it's a bit funny um so I was in year three at school and I realized I like girls. I sort of always knew I was a bit weird, but I found out I like girls and I told my best friend, she told her mum, and I was terrified that her mum would tell my parents. She did, but my parents fully accepted me. Thankfully they were amazing about that. And they were saying, you can be who you are. You, we love you no matter what. So thankfully I had such supporting parents in that aspect. And growing up, I just sort of realised I liked more boy things. I was forced a bit more into girlish roles with Barbies and, like, long hair and stuff. But I definitely think as I grew up, I became more outspoken. And having that community just, like, accept me was just really wholesome and I could be who I wanted to be. Yeah, exactly. I love that response. And also, statistically a high majority of people in the community have experienced some sort of sexual assault or trauma. And what do you think maybe the trepidations or the challenges that a person with sexual trauma that is also part of the community have compared to 
people who are not part of their community. I definitely think there's a stigma with same-sex couples, especially with there's always going to be a top and a bottom in the stigma of it. And the dominant one would be like abusive sometimes and the stigma is just being ashamed and not speaking out about it because it's such a relevant thing that happens in the community a lot of same-sex couples do have abuse problems and they don't speak about it but everyone knows that it happens and no one says anything i think that's a massive problem and why do you think that is because the stigma of just it's a gay couple of course it's going to happen Oh, okay. And that's what a lot of people say. Um, my brother was in a same-sex, like, relationship. And my whole family was like, that he's going to get hurt and stuff just because it's two men. There's just such a stigma still in Australia with the older generation in general, just thinking it's still going to get you in trouble. Do you think that's the same for same-sex couples women? It's actually more relevant in women. Really? Can you yeah. Get more into that. I'm curious. I actually was looking up st- statistics about bisexual women and like LGBTQIA queer women or non-binary people, and it's like 47 percent of them have had trauma, and most of it was sexual trauma, whether it be from a man or in a relationship where they just were so ashamed that they let that stuff happen to them. It's like it doesn't mean that they let it happen it means that they were forced Mm -hmm. so do you feel that like coercion is a really big kind of sexual uh stigma or issue when it comes to things regarding consent in the lgbt community i definitely think if you're not open about who you are and you're still like in the closet not like outed or like ashamed but just if you're hiding a bit more I do feel like you are more likely to be hurt in different aspects. I know personally I was because I would get into relationships with people that other people would want me to be with. And that's where the trauma would happen. So like in terms of grooming and manipulation, so like emotional abuse, emotional abuse, mental abuse, abuse, all of the abuses, but also definitely coercion from other people sort of forcing those partnerships on me. And also, there was so much shame within myself that I would seek out, like, partnerships to make myself feel normal because I thought loving women was wrong. I thought not always wanting, like, a strong, burly man to rescue me. Mm -hmm. Like, if I didn't want that, something was wrong with me, so I would play the part that they wanted me to. That would land me in situations that were bad. Also, um... We haven't included trans people and we've got nothing against them. Um, I just don't have enough information to speak about trans people. Do you have any information on the trans community? I don't know enough to say fully anything, but I do know the gender umbrella of non-binary, trans and mask femme people. I technically fall under it with the non-binary, but I'm on the other side of the spectrum where I don't mind with my pronouns or with hormones or anything. I'm very open about it, very positive. But I do know some people are very strict about what they like. And I definitely think respect what they want is definitely necessary. Yeah. So um, I think that's perfect. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to talk about trans issues in, in the future, but 
I think I would definitely love to interview someone who like is actually part of that. I'd love to interview someone who's part of the trans community. And so what advice would you have for people who do have a background in sexual trauma and they are wanting to get into the LGBTQIA plus community or they are just starting to identify and learn things about themselves that align with the values of the LGBTQIA plus community? What thoughts do you have? I definitely think research is one of your best friends. If you're able to use a phone, TikToks are really good just for learning information or just finding friends. Just always be careful on social media. In general, like Instagram, you can find pride posts and learn about different sexualities, genders, all that things. Also, there's meetups as well. Again, just be safe. But I definitely recommend my favourite thing was Mardi Gras. I went with my partner at the moment and it was absolutely amazing. I met so many people and just, I just, I dove in, I dove straight into the community and it was the best decision I ever made. So definitely research if you're curious or still learning about who you are or who you think you might be, but also it doesn't have to be so sudden and certain. If you think I'm, I'm bisexual, but then you're like, you know what? I'm lesbian. It's okay to change your mind. It's who you are. It's not who you want to, like, who someone else is going to tell you who to be. Just be okay with it and, like, learning to love yourself. That's, yeah. All right. (laughs) That's really good. Final question. Do you have any words of wisdom, compassion, or advice to anyone that's listening right now? Culture is important, but you're more important. Just accept yourself and I hope you're okay. That's beautiful. I think we're going to end that there. Thank you so much, Charlie. This was a wonderful conversation. No worries. Thank you. Let your voices be heard. There is healing in your words. Let your voices be heard. There is healing, there is healing, let your voices be heard, there is healing.